ಸುದೇಶಿಕೇಂದ್ರೈಪಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಕೃತ ಮುನೀಂದ್ರ ಶ್ರೀಶಂಕರ ಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತೀಂದ್ರ ಮಧ್ಯೇಶಿ ಕಂಚಾಪಿ ನಮಿ ವಿಧ್ಯೈ ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಾದಿಭ್ಯೋ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮವಿದ್ಯಾಸಂಪ್ರದಾಯಕರ್ತೃಭ್ಯೋ ವಂಶಋಷಿಭ್ಯೋ ಮಹದ್ಭ್ಯೋ ನಮೋ ಗುರುಭ್ಯಃ ಸರ್ವೋಪ್ಲವರಹಿತ ಪ್ರಜ್ಞಾನಗಣ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಗರ್ತೋ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮೈವಾಹಮಸ್ಮಿ ಓಂ ಪ್ರಪನ್ನ ಪಾರಿಜಾತೋತ್ರವೇತ್ರೈಕಪಾನೇ ಜ್ಞಾನಮುದ್ರಾ ಕೃಷ್ಣಾಯ ಗೀತಾಮೃತದುಹೇ ನಮಃ ಪ್ರಣಾಮ್ಸ್ ಎವ್ರಿವನ್ ಸೊ ವಿ ಆರ್ ಡೂಯಿಂಗ್ ದ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ಟೀನ್ತ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ವೇರ್ ಭಗವಾನ್ ಈಸ್ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪ್ಲೈನಿಂಗ್ ದಿ ದೈವ ಆಸುರ ಸಂಪತ್ ವಾಟ್ ಆರ್ ದ ದೈವಿ ಕ್ವಾಲಿಟೀಸ್ ದೈವ ಕ್ವಾಲಿಟೀಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ವಾಟ್ ಆರ್ ದ ಅಸುರ ಕ್ವಾಲಿಟೀಸ್ ದ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ತ್ರೀ ಶ್ಲೋಕಾಸ್ ಹಿ ಆಡ್ ಎನ್ಯೂಮರೇಟೆಡ್ ಆಲ್ ದ ದೈವ ಕ್ವಾಲಿಟೀಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದೆನ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದ ಫೋರ್ತ್ ಶ್ಲೋಕ ಆನ್ವರ್ಡ್ಸ್ ಇಟ್ ವಾಸ್ ಫೋಕಸಿಂಗ್ ಮೋರ್ ಆನ್ ದಿ ಅಸುರ ಕ್ವಾಲಿಟೀಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸ್ ವಿ ಹ್ಯಾಡ್ ಡನ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ಟೀನ್ತ್ ಟು ಏಯ್ಟೀನ್ತ್ ವೇರ್ in the 16th shloka the asura's attitude was described the asura's attitude being aneka chitta vibrantaha they are they have innumerable fantasies but always in moha jala samavrtaha they are always encircled by the net of delusion and they only focus on kama bhogeshu enjoyment of sense objects and by doing so they fall into a foul hell patanti ashuchau narake so this is what bhagavan said in the 16th shloka and then in the 17th shloka it is about the way they worship they do their pujas or they do their yajnas how do they do first of all they are atma sambhavitaha they have do their atma suti they praise themselves then they are arrogant stabdaha and they are full of vanity and haughtiness and that they get because of their wealth they possess dhanamana vidanvitaha and how do they worship dambena yajante they worship pretentiously and how do they do their pujas or yajnas nama yajnehi for the name sake they do a puja nominal yajnas and they do it with no regard to scriptural rules abidhi purvakam that was what 17th shloka bhagwan said about the way they worship they do their pujas and yajnas we saw what are the things that we need to do from a vidhi standpoint in the last class and then in the 18th shloka basically it explained how the asuras hate what do they hate mainly 
will come to that but before that bhagwan again describes them that they are given to ego power arrogance desire anger etc they have ahankaram balam darpam kamam krodham cha etc all these things they have and given to all these things they hate me pradvishantah maam and bhagwan says when he says hates me it is not that he is insecure bhagwan is not insecure because bhagwan says i am he also qualifies himself he says atma paradeheshu i am in the body of them the asuras themselves i am within their body and i am also within the body of others and yet they hate me and when he says they hate me it means they do not follow dharma shastras they do not follow dharma and bhagwan says these slanderers abhyasuyakaha they they hate me they don't follow they don't follow dharma they don't have any belief in dharma shastra now in this now in shloka 19 on what's especially 19 and 20 bhagwan is going to tell them what sort of treatment they are going to get or what what will be the fate of these people beyond this life for such an asura what will be the fate of these people beyond this life so we'll see shri <clears throat> bhagavan uvacha shloka number 19 tanaham dvishatah kruran samsareshu naradhaman क्षिपाम यजस्त्रमशुभाशुरीशेवनिषु तानहम दिशत क्रूरासु नाधमान्षिपाम यजस्त्रमशुभाशुरीशेवनिषु सो अंटिल लास्ट श्लोका भगवान विज एक्चुअली डिस्क्राइबिंग देर गुणास the asura gunas now in the 18th he had concluded that now he is going to describe the treatment remember bhagwan does not hate them okay but after going through this loka one may feel is bhagwan hating them no bhagwan does not hate them in fact bhagwan already said that he is within themselves also he is within that body of the asura also he said in that last shloka 18 shloka but he will say that i will push them more and more towards samsara okay that is what he is going to say because we will see why bhagwan says i am going to push them more and more into samsara because only then the asura samskaras will get exhausted otherwise they will not be able to lead a proper life for example if someone loves to sleep they love to be lazy they love to be sleep they love to sleep always for all we know bhagwan in the next birth will make them a cat they give him they give that person a cat's life so that 
that person can sleep be lazy and that person can sleep to that extent to and exhaust that vasana whichever samskara is overwhelming in a person then if they are in put in a position in which they are not able to exhibit that samskara if they are in a situation where they will not be able to exhibit that samskara they will not be comfortable whereas if they are put in a same situation where they are able to exhibit that samskara they will be comfortable the if they are not that will actually trouble them if a person is very unclean is been always unclean now if we put that person in a very clean environment everything is spick and span then that person will be disturbed he will not be able to think clearly they will be only comfortable in an unclean place similarly if a person wants constant activity in his life he wants always people around he wants to be in thick and thick crowd he wants to be always getting attention or talking to people always that kind of an environment <coughs> then if we actually he will not be able to enjoy a calm and serene place you put him in a place where it is calm green quiet place serene atmosphere that person will become restless and he might even say you know some people have this if they are put in this kind of place they will say it is got an eerie silence it's like a cremation ground they will say they will not be able to relate to their positive analogy for some persons calm environment will make them feel good for people who are rajo predominant or even tamas predominant they will not be able to enjoy a calm serene environment so this is what bhagwan says here we says bhagwan says aham kshipami aham kshipami tan asurishu eva yonishu asurisheva yonishu asurishu eva yonishu aham kshipami aham tanaham we saw that right tanaham where you will have to take aham from there aham kshipami i throw bhagwan says i throw whom does he throw tan tan means these people these people where does he throw these people those people those people he throws them to ಆಸುರೀಷ್ವೇವ ಯೋನಿಷು ಆಸುರೀಷು ಏವ ಯೋನಿಷು ಯೋನಿ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಓಂಬ್ ಆಸುರೀಷ್ವೇವ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಅಸುರ ಓಂಬ್ಸ್ ಕ್ಷಿಪಾಮಿ ಇಸ್ ಥ್ರೋ ಸೊ ಐ ಥ್ರೋ ದೆಮ್ ದೋಸ್ ಪೀಪಲ್ ಇಂಟು ಅಸುರ ಓಂಬ್ಸ್ ಅಸುರ ಓಂಬ್ಸ್ ಮೀನ್ ಹಿಯರ್ no they have been born they have been born as human beings human birth is very very difficult to get just because we are born as a human being this life does not guarantee that we are going to get a human birth the next life human birth 
is only possible when for this prarabdha whatever has been taken out of our sanchita karma it comes up with an equal amount of papa punya only then a human life is possible human life is a rarest of rare according to our shastras now having got this human life human body these asuras have been wasting their life have been going around against the flow of spiritual growth <clears throat> so he says i will throw them into asura wombs and asura wombs means inferior birth so it can be within humans also it can be a inferior human birth as in very unclean environment very bad location with no samskaras all those kind of places or it may be an animal birth it could be an insect reptile whatever or it could be even a plant birth it they could take a plant form or it could be a birth in one of the lower lokas we have according to shastra there are 14 lokas bu loka is this loka and six above and seven down the seven down are atala vitala sutala rasatala mahatala talatala patala there are about seven of them so it can be one of those seven lokas also and bhagwan says i throw those people into asura wombs and when he says that they can be born as any one of in any of these places and what happens if we get this kind of birth bhagwan says samsareshu samsareshu naradhaman samsareshu means it leads to further samsara which will lead to further samsara so once we go to further samsara they will be more and more away from reality that is what bhagwan says and now bhagwan says dvishatah these people who who tan this tan is those people which are the asuras he is qualifying them he is actually giving them an adjective he is also he is telling them what kind of people they are they are dvishatah dvishatah means haters we already saw slanderers they hate me bhagwan said in the previous shloka he is again calling them out as haters and what do they hate shankaracharya says sanmarga pratipaksha bhutan he calls them as <coughs> they when he says dvishatah it means they hate all the sanmarga they hate good people they hate good advice they will not be able to take any good advice they will once somebody gives them a good advice they will really get angry sanmarga means non religious life uh, sanmarga means religious life haters dvishatah means they don't like religious life religious life disappears from them you can see in some homes also you know in some traditional homes when you enter you can feel the presence of 
Ishwara. You can feel Bhagavan's vibration there. There could be pictures hanging, there will be a puja room, there will be some, some bit of activity, you can feel the presence. But nowadays many houses, they want to make pictures as secular pictures. In the living room, they clearly say, no Bhagavan pictures. We want to be secular. They don't want to show off their religion. They as if showing off, it's actually a show off. So religion goes away in their life. And when religion glows, religious life also goes away. Religious practices goes away. So the, 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 the pujas and the, and the festivals also get converted to secular ones. Or they spend more time in Western, Western uh, festivals than for Indian festivals. And of course, spirituality also disappears. So religion goes away. When religion goes away, religious life goes away, religious practices goes away, and spirituality also goes away. Dvishataha. They dislike all these things. They dislike anything that is religious. You can see in today's society also a lot of people, they don't want to put, they don't want to wear bindi, they don't want to have tilakam because they don't want to declare their religion. They don't want to show that they are religious. They don't want to, f they don't want to declare that I am a Vaidika, I am from this Vedic practices, I am from this Vedic religion. They don't want to, they don't want to exhibit they don't want to feel proud of the culture. Feeling proud of culture, if somebody feels proud of their culture, they are seen as communal. We don't want anybody to be seen as Hindu. And even the names today are also cho chosen in such a way that it's not any of the Bhagawan's names. It's secular names. So all these Bhagawan's names are all going away. And it's only like Pinky, Chinky, whatever, all those neutral names which does not reveal the identity of the person in fact some of the other religion especially in down south in india there are other religions which ca who carry hindu bhagavan names although they may be from a different religion but in our own religion we will not want to keep that name because materialism is overwhelming you have to show that you are secular anyway Dvishataha. Dvishataha here means haters of religious way of life. Sanmarga Prati. They have this hate. Pratipaksha Bhutam. And the reason is materialism. They hate God, anything related to Ishwara, Bhagavan. They hate temple. Ask them to visit a temple. They will not be able to visit a temple. They will say, at that point of time, they will say, what is the point? God is everywhere. Or they will say, I, I have, uh, I don't need to show off that I am religious by only going to temple. So all those things will come up. And many of them call themselves as agnostics. That's an easy excuse. At least if you say atheist, I will agree. At least you are clear. You don't believe in Ishwara. You don't believe in any of the gods. That's fine. 
But if you call yourself agnostic, I feel agnostic is a is an excuse for people to, you know, they are too religious, they are too lazy to be religious. That's why they call themselves agnostic. And yet they don't want to call themselves atheist because they fear that there might be some other supreme being there and they don't want to be in the wrong books of that supreme being. So they comfortably, conveniently call themselves as agnostics. To stay away from being religious and yet at the same time don't want to be in the bad books of Ishwara, so to speak. Anyway, and these people, Bhagavan further describes them, they are Kruran. Kruran. Kruran means cruel. And he says, he describes them three, Kururan, and then he says, Achara Rahitan. Kururan, Achara Rahitan, we had already seen that. Then, uh, basically, Daya Rahitan. Kururan means Daya Rahitan. There is no dhaya. When a jiva is undergoing pain, these people will not feel that compassion. They don't have the dhaya. We always we saw that earlier in the in the in the when we described the daivas daiva sampat. Daya bhuteshu luptam. Daya bhuteshu. The daya compassion towards other beings is necessary. They here these people do not have any daya or compassion. Some people eat non-veg, but they wouldn't want to see the animal being killed. They wouldn't want to go to a butcher shop because they don't want to see it being killed. Because they have that daya. But it is only a little. Because it the daya goes away when the food is on the table. At that point of time, the tongue overpowers the daya. So anyway, daya... Bhute, daya, here Kruran means they, daya rahita hai. They don't have, they have cruelty, they have cruel, they are, they are cruel. And then they are Ashuban. Ashuban means impious. The exact word is Amangalam, we say. They are impious, they don't have Achara rahita, basically. And then Naradhaman, they are the lowest of the lowliest of the human beings. Lowliest among all the human beings, Naradhaman. Adamam, that comes from the word Adamam. Adamam means lowest. And then he says, basically, Naradaman also means lowliest or we can also say Narasharira Mrigagunan. They are people with human body with animal tendencies. Chinmayananda used to say that we have to transform ourselves from animal man. We are by nature, we have lot of animal instincts in us. So from animal man, we will have to change ourselves to man-man by getting all these good qualities, all the uh, daiva sampat. 
and then from man man we can become god man once we get this jnana then we become a god man so from animal man to man man to god man and then he bhagwan says i throw this aham shipami tan asurishi eva yonishu i throw them into these asura homes not once bhagwan says he says ajastram ajastram means again and again perpetually i next janma they again exhibit this hate cruelty all this uh, hating uh, the samsara uh, live this impious life then i throw them again back into asura homes i throw these haters of mine these impious this cruel people this lowliest among these human beings i throw them perpetually into asura homes which will lead to further samsara this is what shloka number 19 says now we'll go to shloka number 20 again 20 is also continuing of the same the same topic we'll go there shri bhagavan uvacha आसुरी योनिमापन्ना मूढ़ा जन्मनी जन्मनी माप्राप्य कौंतेय तथोयाता गति आसुरी योनिमापन्ना मूढ़ा जन्मनी जन्मनी माप्राप्य कौंतेय तथोयाम गति is talking about the gati tato yantya dhamam gatim the gati of asura so where will they end up we have already seen how they speak how they how they behave what is their words what is their attitude what is their anger how is their anger all those things we have seen now where do they end up with all these qualities आसुरी योनि आपन्ना आपन्ना एंटरिंग सो वन दे बीन थ्रोन इन टू दि असुरा वोम्स ई सेंग आसुरी आपन्ना योनि सो एंटरिंग दिस आसुरी योनि आफ्टर एंटरिंग दिस आसुरी योनि आफ्टर एंटरिंग दि असुरा वोम्स हू आर दिस पीपल मूढ़ा Mudaha means indiscriminate people. The opposite of a viveki, a person who knows to discriminate is viveki. A person who does not know to discriminate between what is right or what is right, what is wrong, does not discriminate between what is dharma, what is adharma. That person is called muda. who does not mudaha here also we can also say one who does not understand the value of human birth he is a mudaha human birth is very rare there is a tamil saying there ipiravi tappinal eppiravi vaikumo edu mariyen paraparame i don't know if i don't get if if i miss this life i don't know when will i get another human birth so mudaha 
these people who are indiscriminate people who do not understand the difference between right and wrong who does not differentiate between dharma and adharma who does not understand the value of human birth so even entering these arsuri wombs these these people these mudaha janmani janmani <coughs> birth after birth every birth what happens to them aprapya mam aprapya they do not reach they do not reach where mam eva they do not reach me at all they do not get moksha at all they do not they do not see me at all so they take different birth birth after birth they do not get the opportunity to reach me at all so they will not get the opportunity to do the sadhanas they do not get the opportunity to learn to learn bhagavad gita they do not get the opportunity to be in the right company they do not get the opportunity to attain moksha and here mam does not mean the bhagavan sitting in vaikuntha or kailasha this you know uh, atma joining that atma we here when we say mam eva do not reach me at all means it means they do not understand the paramarthika tatva they don't get to understand the aham brahmasmi they don't understand they don't get the jnana because for getting jnana what is the two main qualifications the two main qualifications or two necessary things that we need to get moksha yes first and foremost it has to be a human birth only human births can get moksha because you get jnana and you need home human birth the second thing is you need satsanga you need to be in satsanga to understand what these things but these people they hate satsanga dvishatah bhagavan said so they don't get an opportunity at all and because they don't get an opportunity to be in satsanga they do not have access to moksha that is this human birth is very important that's why when we actually come to vedanta itself even in the introduction to vedanta i would have described we would have explained the importance of human birth human birth is very important and to have clarity on purushartha is even more important to it's very difficult because only when we have clarity on purushartha whether it is going to be what is going to be my purpose whether it is going to be artha kama dharma or moksha that clarity we should get and then once we get that clarity we will be able to pursue <clears throat> but even to get the clarity we have to have a human birth first so if we do not make use of this janma the loss is ours so what do the asuras get here yanti yanti tato yanti tatah yanti tatah adamam adamam gatim yanti yanti means they fall into where do they fall into तत अदमा गतिम स्ट 
still lower condition they fall still lower so the bhagwan is stressing the importance of human birth here and the time we get here if we do not make use of it and if we fall into the asura ways of living then we will fall into further lower condition somehow we have got this human birth somehow we have got some mumukshutvam somehow we have got some interest in spirituality somehow we have got this interest in vedanta somehow we have got this interest in spirituality this uh, shastras we will have to ensure that we build on it we should retain it we should not let it slip away from us we should improve on it and we should pursue further on this whether we get human birth in the next life or not does not matter at least in this life we should not let go of this opportunity and bhagwan is explaining all these to who kaunteya maam aprapyaiva kaunteya oh arjuna this is what the asura people will get this is the gati that they will get this is where they will reach after their death so this is the gati between 19 and 20 now in shloka 20 bhagwan is basically going to summarize all the asura gunas into 3 and he will complete this section and it is a very important shloka it is an often quoted shloka and it's a very important shloka to remember we'll see the shloka 21 shri bhagavan vacha trividam narakas yedam dwaram nashanam atmanah कामक्रोधस्तोभ तस्मादेतम नरकदनाशन कामक्रोधस्तोभ तस्मादेतजेत सो सो फार भगवान हेज डिस्क्राइब ऑल दी असुरगुणा इन डीटेल now in this shloka he summarizes all these gunas into three gunas and he says these three gunas alone are the ones that manifest into all things that we spoke about whatever gunas we had spoken about all this while can be summarized or can be condensed into three gunas you may think there are other gunas that bhagwan probably didn't talk about probably which are the ones that we may able to identify among ourselves within ourselves but doesn't matter because all this can be summarized into three in fact later on he is going to bring them until one one only now he is actually summarizing into three and one more thing also bhagwan this in this shloka whenever we want to know a whenever we come to know of a new place we always would want to know how to go there somebody said that you know uh, northern lights is very nice to see okay you want to go to norway then how do you go where do you change flights how do you go there we want to know the route or somebody says antarctica then how do you where do you change to a ship which fly, where flight do you want to go 
you always want to know the root of a very new place so similarly bhagwan is going to give a root to a new place the place is basically hell and he says what is the root to hell he is going in that also in this in this shloka so he says trividam narakasyedam trividam narakasyedam dwaram idam trividam dwaram he says this threefold gateway there is a threefold gateway where narakasya to hell so the gate to hell or the hell has got three gates to narakam narakam is hell so there is a threefold gateway to hell and what is narakam narakam is explaining atmanah nasham atmanah nasham nashan nashan matmanah basically let us split that as atmanah nashan nashanam it is the cause of one's own destruction the threefold gateway to hell is the cause of one's own destruction so basically to go to hell you just need to have these three things or if you have these three things you will go to hell or one to self destruct oneself we need to have these three qualities or even if we have one quality that is enough for us to self destruct and what are these three three qualities kamah krodah tata lobah we know these words we have seen this again and again kamah desire krodah anger lobah greed kamah krodas tata lobah so these three are the qualities that are needed for somebody it's like passport once you have this or these are the gateway to hell if we have this we are certain to go to hell desire we know that we have seen this enough krodah we have also seen that anger anger is basically an expression of hatred vengeance whatever greed lobah that inability to share things with others inability to part with things that loba buddhi to keep everything for oneself is called loba the opposite of lobam is dhanam remember dhanam is good but also we have also seen dhanam also has to be qualified there are satvika dhanam rajasa dhanam tamasa dhanam also some people give donate they donate things but they also insist that the other person should not share that with anyone so even while giving they have a dotted line responsibility they give a dotted line ownership to themselves they will say you have to keep it if you are going to share it with somebody else you will have to ask me before you do that so that is what i am not i am giving you that but i am not letting go of my ownership 
so that here also that lobham is hidden so it still says it is still mine although i am giving it to you so dhanam so lobham kama krodha lobham and we know desire manifests into the other two kamaha only converts itself into krodha and also converts itself into lobham if the desire does not get fulfilled and if the reason for that for that desire not to be fulfilled is someone else or something else then it manifests as anger on that other person and the intensity of the anger is equal to the intensity of the desire so we may have given a small object to somebody to a, it's a to a very favorite person he may not be a person whom we hate we like that person we give this favorite thing but if this person is expensive and that if the object is expensive and that person breaks it or loses it then we get angry and even if it is not expensive if i actually have a lot of value for it if it is something that i really like and i give it to this person and this person loses it or breaks it or whatever then also i get angry and this time what happens the anger does not depend on the monetary value it depends on my emotional value it depends on my attachment towards that object so anger comes out of attachment here when we say desire it means attachment so anger comes out of attachment suppose if the same person you know uh, loses something or you know drops something or breaks something that which we do not value much in fact we wanted to actually get rid of this person has dropped it yeah, we will talk philosophy we will say will not we are not supposed to get angry if things go wrong if some that person has done obviously committed a, you know not voluntarily it was it was involuntary it happened there was nothing done on purpose we will put all those things because we don't have the desire or attachment on the object the moment we see something that we have too much of attachment on then all these things will change so desire or attachment itself is the one that actually manifests itself as anger and once we achieve what we desire once we get what we want we do not want to lose it we do not want to lose it we want to hold on to it and that is called as lobham and the lobham will be there as long as we desire that object once the moment we do not desire that object the moment the desire on that object is reduced not because we have spirit become spiritually mature it may be that just that our attachment has gone from this object for this person or this relation or this situation to another object another person another situation whatever it is so then this desire reduces then we are ready to let go of things then we will become a dana dana karta will be ready to donate this whatever with be the object if it is with me 
and I desire it, it will definitely turn into lobum. And once we have lobum, we will not give it, we will not want to share it, we will in fact tend to hide it because we will get fear that somebody else may ask for it, take it, break it, whatever it is. Lose it. So we will try to even tend to hide it. And because we want to attain what we desire, so this is after we desire, but if, because we, if it is still something to be attained, if we want to attain what we desire, we will get feelings of hatred. Because I want to have that, I don't want anybody else to compete for it. And anybody else competing for the same object, same relation, same person, same situation, I find that person, I dislike that person, I get hate. I get hatred in my mind and we would not mind cheating I do know we would not mind cheating a bit to acquire it so what I want to get that promotion so what I would I would want to get that particular thing we would not mind lying we would not mind cheating all Asura Gunas will come and all lying cheating um, hatred everything comes out of desire attachment just like you know the noodles we pick one the other one automatically starts coming together similarly if we just pick karma the desire attachment that is enough then it will be like just like noodles the other asura gunas will start coming automatically krodham lobham moham uh, cheating all those uh, lying uh, hatred all these things will come himsa Everything will start coming. So Bhagavan says he is splitting them into three. And later as I said he will only say Kamaha is responsible. Kama alone is good enough. But here he is saying Kama Krodha Loba. All three has become our Swabhava. When we say Kama how should we understand? Understand we are not talking about Dharmic desires here. Dharmic desires are not considered to be gateway to heaven, uh, sorry, gateway to hell. Because a Dharmic desire by itself is not bad and it will not do any himsa to anybody else. But a Dharmic desire should also be achieved through Dharmic means. The Some people have Dharmic desire but they may look for Adharmic means to achieve it. Or the desire itself may be adharmic. So we are talking about either adharmic desires or using adharmic means. Dharmic desire. I am hungry, I want to eat. That is dharmic desire. But I am hungry, I want to steal and eat. That becomes adharmic. Because the desire itself dharmic, but the means are adharmic. So we are talking about dharmic desire and dharmic means is fine. What we are talking about trividam, narakas, yedam, dwaram, nashan, matmanah, kama, krodas, tata, lobaha. Here when we talk about this kamaha, we are talking about adharmic desires. And Bhagavan is talking about adharmic desires or adharmic means here. So how should we how should we uh, our growth be? First, we should let go of adharmic desires. 
any desire that comes to our mind whether it is dharmic dharmic or adharmic if it is adharmic we should let go then fulfill dharmic desires through dharmic means then stage 2 we will have to bring moderation in dharmic desires also because anything in excess will create problem anything in excess will also call a causes atmanaha nashanam it will also create our own destruction so in the initial stages it is okay to indulge in all sensory pleasures and all those things as long as it's dharmic it's fine but we should learn to even reduce our dharmic desires through karma yoga we'll see about karma yoga later second chapter later part and the third chapter full of third chapter is karma yoga we'll see how we have to do it so karma yoga then stage 3 the all this moderated limited desires that we have they will have to be converted into non binding desires non binding desires meaning i am converting my desires into preferences basically which means my mind will not get disturbed whether the desire gets fulfilled or not if it's fulfilled i'm happy if it's not fulfilled it's okay because desires as long as the mind is there there will be desires even gnanis will have desires but it will not bind them shankaracharya definitely should have a desire to you know write bhajagovindam bhashyam for everything otherwise he wouldn't have written all those things it is okay to write it is okay to have the desire but it cannot be binding saying if i am not able to do it i will get into depression i will get angry i will have problems i will become depressed all those things should not be there so question is then how do i identify which desires of mine are non binding desires then that is the next question a desire when it gets fulfilled if it does not turn into lobham that is a non binding desire a desire when it is not fulfilled if it does not turn into anger or sorrow is a non binding desire i feel like going out for a walk today it is raining it's okay i let it go it's a non binding desire i want to go for a movie tonight i am not getting a cab i get angry binding desire so we know when a desire does not get fulfilled if it turns into sorrow or anger it is a binding desire if it turns if i am if it's fulfilled and if it turns into greed or lobham i want to hold on to it i am very careful of it i am extremely careful i don't want others to see it i don't want others to touch it binding desire so when bhagwan says desire becomes gateway to hell he means these three adharmic desires number 
or could be dharmic desires but fulfilled by adharmic means that is number 2 or 3 is over indulgent desires over indulgent desires greedy desires greed in tamil also same thing is there in tamil see it says atmanah nashanam in tamil they say perasai perunashtam greed will take you down it will cause one's own destruction perasai selfish desires and the same thing is also said perasai perunashtam is the same thing here because of greed the desire selfish desires we are bound to go to hell so this is one krodham now we have to see how uh, we have seen how to remove anger we uh, we have seen that in detail but we have to just understand this parent of desire parent of anger is basically desire so if we monitor our desire our anger will automatically go down and another way to remove anger is basically acceptance if i am able to fulfill the desire fine if i am not able to fulfill the desire i am okay i am accepting it so acceptance of situation that i am in acceptance of whatever possessions that i have i shouldn't feel i should have that i should have this i wish i want to have that it is all kind of attachment binding desires because which i am saying my happiness will come only if i have that that particular object or that particular relation or that particular situation so acceptance of situation acceptance of people around us acceptance of relations around us acceptance of the possession that i have if i am able to get that then my anger will be reduced my desire will also be con- controlled of course forgiveness because anger comes out of vengeance hatred some people has done something bad to me i want to give it back i want to pay back so obviously one other thing to reduce anger forgiveness not carrying hatred not carrying vengeance another reason why we get angry impatience i waited for you so long although this person could be somebody i like but this person made me wait in the hot sun for too long i get angry so patience patience is one other way to reduce anger so all these things help in reducing anger we have seen this detail earlier so i'm not going to go through that again don't cannot expect everything to go off in one day do not expect turn, things to turn tomorrow i wake up i do not have anger tomorrow i wake up there is no more attachment for me it doesn't happen that way it is not possible don't even try it because what happens tomorrow from tomorrow if we say i don't want to have become angry i become a nice person will turn become angry so we'll fail and our anger will only multiply because of one because of the original anger and also because we have failed in what we wanted to do this desire becomes unfulfilled desire so anger inside us is a habit so we have to remain uh, sort of remove it gradually it cannot be done overnight then lobham lobham i have told you this is the defining guna of humans every human being 
inherently most of them unless they are endowed with daiva daiva sampat guna some of these some of <coughs> this ability to share guna unless they have it most of them the defining guna of a human being is loba not willing to share with others sometimes even parents teach their children do not share your food with anyone do not share whatever whatever i give it for you it's only for you do not share it with others you you only only you should eat what i give you you should not share it with others so this lobham is fed lobham is in our swabhava and we further develop it and if we come to know what is the loss by having lobham then we will probably come quit or renounce this what is the loss that one might have or what is the loss that one might get by having lobham that we will see it in the next class any questions or comments okay then we will see again in the next class ओम पूर्णमद पूर्णमदूर्णात्मुदच्यते पूर्णसेमादा पूर्णमेवशिष्य ओं शाति शातिशा स्वस्ति प्रजाभ्य पिपालयताेन मकेन महिमयीषा गोभ्राह्मणेभ्यो शुभमस्तु नि लोकासमस्ता सुखिनो हरि ओम श्री गुरुभ्यो नम